Um, a lot to talk about. Um, I'm obviously absolutely ecstatic with last night's proceedings. Um, Manchester United with a famous away win in Turin. Not as famous as some people are making it out. I mean, Martin Keown said in commentary that it's... I, th- I think he actually might have said... Um, that it's the biggest win in Europe in Manchester United's history. He needs to be sacked. Um, Martin Keown should lose his job for that comment. It is absolutely revolting. It's up there with like Ron Atkinson towards Desai. And yeah, I am comparing it to, to racism because it, it, it displays that level of ignorance. For Martin Keown, that's just not doing like that's not even considering research. It's it's just been lazy. It's just sitting there wanting to go home, and taking your money from the channel you work for. You're in Italy on a Wednesday night, and you're going. Do you know what? I'm actually I'm tired because when Manchester United scored the second goal, there's a level of disbelief that was going around the commentary box anyway, which I kind of was offended by. It was like we had to wait 35 seconds until literally Juve were tipping back off the ball before we could celebrate the goal. The le- I just thought it was unbelievably patronising the way it was all dealt with, uh, especially considering our history. A much bigger club than Juventus. Um, like, let's not forget that we were finalists in, in 08, 09 and 2011, uh, let alone winners in 99 and 68. But in the modern context, in, like in the, in the very modern context, um still three finals in the last 10 years when when you think about it so to be to be told the biggest away result in Manchester United's history is something that I'd probably want to forgive Keon for for a long time it's weird though because when he was in his playing peak we actually came from behind uh, in a semi-final in Turin when the score was 2-0 um, as opposed to the 1-0 that it was last night uh, and also they had a midfield at Deschamps, Zidane, David so they were a far better side than this Juve one, so I just really I'd love them to have to come out and justify those comments because quite simply insane. Um I mean between the years of nineteen ninety-three and two thousand and thirteen, Manchester United won thirteen league titles. That's more than Celtic. That's more than Bayern Munich, that's more than Real and Barca. There was only one football monopoly in any domestic league of any importance in world football at the time. Oh, there's no point watching Scotland. There's only two teams in it. Uh, the same team wins the league every year. Bollocks. There was only one proper monopoly at the time, and that was Manchester United's hold over England. 1995 goes to the last day. We can't get a goal in Upton Park. Don't win that league. 1998, Arsenal come from 12 points behind to overtake us. That's fair. That happens. That's fine. 2002, Arsenal comfortably win the league. They were brilliant. And the same goes for 04. Um, and then, of course, in 05 and 06, we were not got to do with those Chelsea teams. The ones that eat at me, um, 2010, lost by a point. Ancelotti's Chelsea job was offside in Old Trafford. In essentially what was a Premier League final. Now I know we can talk about referee decisions and we can talk about all that kind of thing, but um, they do even themselves out over a course of the season. We would have had our fair share as with Chelsea, but when it's a game like a Premier League kind of final situation, 
and they come to Old Trafford and drop us offside. That that's a particularly frustrating one. And then of course twenty twelve, um, with Aguero getting the late goal, was absolutely despicable. So what I'm trying to say is basically, I know we won thirteen out of twenty in the Premier League year under Fergie, but I think it should have been like at least fifteen. Um, just to come back to Keon again and to the world media who were going on about Manchester United's result last night, and I saw the word staggering used. Staggeringly, Manchester United came from one 0 behind in a newspaper article. I understand that we haven't been at the races in recent years. I get that, but like when Real Madrid were losing four 0 to Liverpool and stuff like that, um, seven eight years ago, and didn't get past the last sixteen of the European Cup for like eight seasons it still wasn't staggering when they came from behind um, at the end of the day we're still due five or six more years of mediocrity before it can be staggering if we come from behind at Juventus away from home it's not like we did the Bernabeu with the new camp here um, like we have five more six years of that let's not forget in Fergie's last seven seasons we won five leagues the two we didn't win, one was by a point, 2010, drop was offside in Old Trafford, and the other one was on goal difference. We were also, uh, I think, eight points clear with six league games to go. Um, that's very, very close to seven leagues straight, and if we'd done seven leagues straight, I don't even know if we're going to be that impressed with Messi Ronaldo at the minute, because I think that would be the most impressive football stat in the modern game. Um, but no, and another thing is kind of, when I say we didn't do it at the Bernabeu, or the new camp. I mean that. I, I wholeheartedly mean that. Um, I don't really get this Juve or the informed side in Europe thing. I understand they dominate their domestic league, but they, they've won four doubles in a row. Like, as opposed to going, what a side? Are we not scratching their heads going, what's going on in that country? I know we're all aware that Italian football is weak, but like, you, you shouldn't even really be winning four doubles in a row if they're playing in the Irish League. They probably shouldn't win the FAI Cup four times in a row. Just in terms of mistakes and the possibility of knockout losses and how easily they come. For me, a decision, a deflection, one of those days. A, a Brad Friedel performance in, in Blackburn, or in Old Trafford for Blackburn, the keeper could have. It's just a penalty they shouldn't um, have conceded got given by a referee and then an offside goal was given I mean four years and not getting knocked out of a knockout competition that's that's just silly that's not even impressive it's an, it's it's, an, it's an actually annoying stat um, but when I'm on the subject of these these big teams and we're talking about Juventus we're talking about Real Madrid we're talking about Barcelona I don't know if any of you guys saw this but um, and I don't believe it. I really don't believe it. I saw the Miami Dolphins owner. I think he's worth seven point one billion. His name escapes me now. Isn't some way, shape, and form behind him. There seems to have been some kind of leak. I really this really pains me to say it because I'm an avid, avid football fan, and the commercialism of the game and how it presents itself. There's been a lot of things in recent years. I mean, look at Manchester United at the minute. Look at Ed Woodward's sheer lack of care for um what's happening on the field and how much we as a club have began to value what's happening from a commercial sense and how that is our measure of success 
Um, look how kind of seriously that international champions cup was taken in America. I was in America for the summer and it was been advertised on the TV as if as if it was an actual tournament. Um, one of the games I saw on that, by the way, United drew at AC Milan and went to penos. The penos were going on for so long that the AC Milan player, I think it was like their 14th penalty. There hadn't been one missed yet. Or if there was one missed, I think it was two missed. Uh, he chipped it over the crossbar just to end it. He just chipped it over. He just wanted it. He just wanted to go home. Um, but what's saddening me is, is is these rumors about this European Super League. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, the Leicester owner dying there recently is unbelievably tragic, and um, perhaps the only story um, that actually could balance out and outweigh the miracle they achieved two years previously. That level of tragedy is the only thing that could could equal that level of miracle. So it's it's. It's quite eerie um, to see that kind of seesaw effect and full flow. But yeah, as I'm saying, um, that, that, that Leicester owner dying there recently is absolutely tragic. But I think the moment he sacked Ranieri was, it was a shocking reality um, for us as football fans um, in terms of how much it showed the sheer weight um, of the financial world of football. I mean, Claudio Ranieri won the league with Leicester. In a medical context, that would be like performing open heart surgery using a knife and fork. And I'm not trying to be funny. It would be like a a surgeon um, being on an airplane and um, someone having a heart attack and the whole kind of cliche is there a doctor on board yet and let's say you just need to take the heart out on the spot it would be like him using a plastic knife and fork um, that was given to him with his, with his meal with that kind of I'm not even going to call it bread just air ball because they're just balls of air and some lanky chicken That that that's the equivalent I personally think Ranieri should have been allowed to be the Leicester manager until they were like playing Forest Green the Johnson Payne quarter final um, because it's just something they couldn't even imagine so that level of happiness this is where like football teams should traditionally work that level of happiness having, happening once means the sadness of relegation for if you were like someone like Leicester is kind of outweighed even if they went down even if they went down again down again if they did a fucking Blackpool or Bradford they still won that league so they wouldn't necessarily be that sad and I just think for him to get rid of them, because they were floating around like the 16th mark the next season when they would have stayed up anyway, eight months after he won the league, he didn't keep them up. You should kind of keep your Leicester job at the time with the context there was. At the time, you should kind of keep your job even comfortably into the next season, even if you just survived the season before. And I know Nigel Pearson didn't, but his son was demanding that a, a Thai lady ate his farts in a video. Him, him and his friends were shouting at them. A really weird one. Never never got the Leicester, the Leicester sex tape. It was so like specific. The demands. Eat my eat my fucking farts. Eat my farts. What? A weird one. Um there seems to be that there's like that kind of analistic pleasure seems to be part of the kind of demands of these modern day 
lad culture advocates. It's it's weird. Um, that some of it's associated around the ass now. I don't know what they were doing, but but anyway, yeah. Back to the point of of commercialism in the game. The European Super League is probably probably the only thing that could happen in football that would have me hang up the scarf in terms of the top flight game. It's probably the only thing that could have me go and watch FC. I'd be down in gig lane, I'd be watching FC if the European Super League takes off. What they're proposing apparently is the top 16 teams so you have your cities, United, Chelsea's, Arsenal's, Liverpool's, Chelsea's. I think I said that. You're just leaving out Tottenham, by the way. That's that's what I kind of found funny. Is Tottenham not in it? Um, obviously your PSGs, Marseille, by the way, which I thought was hilarious. Kind of skagged for a sixteen team, and they obviously just opened some kind of book and they're like, oh, there's Marseille, SAE in a Marseille jersey. Yeah, get him in. Hilarious still having Marseille in there. And then obviously your Juve's, etc., etc. I think AC are in their Real Barca. Um, it's the option for leaving the domestic league, which absolutely destroys me on the inside. Um, like, what they're basically saying is the money, the heart comes from us. The heart comes from the me and the you, and the heart comes from the stand. And going and watching your team and singing around them and knowing the ins and outs of the the, the team and, and how they should set up and who you believe should be playing and what's going on in training and what's the transfer policy. But in China, and I was in America, as I said for the year, I met a few football fans, but I met a lot of people who don't give a fuck. Don't give a fuck. But they're watching every game. Like these guys, like I never understood how they could commit for the lack of knowledge. You're talking about dudes showing up at bars in Austin, Texas at six in the morning to watch United when they don't know anything about it. If Beckham ran out against Bournemouth at home last season, just no no warning. They're like, oh, Bex is back. And they'd be calling his crosses like knuckleball. That's the knuckleball. You see Bex is back there? You see, Bex is coming back. It wouldn't. They wouldn't necessarily be questioning why. Um. So there's these Americans, there's the people in China, the people in India, and what they're thinking is similar to how the NFL works here. I don't know if, if many of you watch the NFL, but I've kind of got into it recently, and I think the joy we take in it is every single weekend you turn on, it's rarely there is a Burnley, there's rarely a Huddersfield. You're seeing like the Saints play the Rams week eight, like the possible uh, divisional final is on and there's at least one or two of them a week on on irrelevant weeks. Packers will be playing Patriots, Steelers will be playing Chiefs, like these, these really strong sides consistently playing weekend after weekend. Like out of whatever eight games that could be on, there'll be two one sided, no point in watching them kind of thing going on at, at like the 10 or 12 per weekend they don't want Chelsea Burnley while United are playing Watford while Arsenal are playing Bournemouth while Liverpool are playing Huddersfield while City are playing Cardiff they don't want it they would want it to be maximised people only have limited time the distance from Manchester to Madrid is just kind of like the distance from whatever Buffalo to fucking Dallas they don't mind about the travel and they want weekly 
the worst game of the weekend to be Bayern versus Arsenal. Whether it's in Munich, whether it's in London, whether it's in a neutral venue. That's what they want. They want to make it bigger. They want to make it larger. And this is the problem from letting the American owners into our game in the first place. But that's what they're trying to do to our beautiful game. They're trying to get rid of us getting on a bus and travelling to southern England. They don't want us going to Norwich no more and needing that away win. They don't see the point in the League Cup. They don't see the point in the beauty. By the way, there'd be no relegation for 20 years. There'd be no relegation for 20 years. Relegation is part of English sport that is a microcosm of society. It is vital. The reason why it doesn't exist in American sport is because they don't believe in the hard, cold facts of reality because they've never had to win them. They're a new country. They're a new country that was developed 300 years ago due to war, bloodshed, and kicking out locals. And they've had this American dream sold their whole life. They've always been the powerhouses. Life was always perfect. Do you know, like, what the front line... Do you know American life? Yeah, it's tough for black people. It's tough for minorities. But for white people, the worst you can get is, like... Not being able to go out for dinner um, on a Saturday. But once a month, you get your meal in. Like, that's what I experienced when I was there. Um, Like, Uber drivers can make 70 grand. I don't know if you're aware of that. Like, Uber drivers can make 70k by just hopping in their motor. Imagine having that option in Ireland. People are out of work. Go drive an Uber. 70 grand. A year. Just stay in your car. Just keep driving. Just sit in a room and press a pedal. They don't believe in the reality. There's a possibility for everything. You get your teeth done. If you're ugly, you become birdie. Everyone does. So quickly. There's cheap alternatives to everything. Their houses are so ostentatious. They look so beautiful from the outside. You look at them and you're like, I'm in desperate housewives. You go in, you fucking turn off a light switch and a hole in the wall fucking forms. Then they're suddenly throwing bills at you going, you going to pay for that? It's like, what? Our gaps are made out of brick. They don't look as pretty, but they're made out of brick. Over there, it's fucking cardboard. Relegation is the thing that just doesn't suit the American sports fan. They want it all bigger. They want it all larger. They want it easier. They don't want to show up and the, as a Cleveland Browns fan and you lose 16 games in the season. No longer you're playing away at Pittsburgh. Then you lose 16 again and you're down even further. And suddenly, there's 3,000 people at your games. Because that's what English sport's about. That's the beauty of it. You've had to work for everything you've ever got. Go back to 1980s coal mines, Thatcher, England. Go further. Go to the fucking aerial strikes in places like Birmingham and London. Go back to Churchill's England. Go back to people living in the fucking underground. A shelter with rats crawling around them. That's the way we function. The same as our country. We believe that failure gets punished because it makes the success all the more fucking sweeter. It makes it all the more sweeter. You can't get relegated. There's no punishment. If you're an NBA team, yeah, and you lose 90% of your games, you go, no. Oh, no. We're getting the best player from college next season. It's just embarrassing. They're trying to... Relegation's key. 
It's essential. There's nothing more emotional either, is it? You know those images of when like a proper team goes down? Like, do you remember the times Newcastle went down, boys? <laughs> Tragedy, really, regardless of what you thought of Newcastle. Like, oh, it was the Cheryl Cavakigan. Oh, what can it be? Do you know what I mean? I've been doing that my whole life. Even when Shearer was the gaffer when they went down. Cheryl Cheddar. Oh, what can it be? Johnny, no bother. But but it was um, it was it was quite tragic that day in Villa Park. It was, and dare I say, Leeds' demise has been pretty upset. At the start, it was funny. When they went to League One, it was even funnier. But now you're looking at them and you're like, this is just getting this is just getting minging. This is just getting minging. Gary Monk getting the job, getting, getting the job, like, Gary Monk patronising the job at one point. Gets fucked out of Swansea, leads like, yep, yeah, we'll take you, monkey. This shithouse player who landed on a Swansea job and kind of just got an okay few good results because he had some pretty decent players at his disposal. Gets the Leeds job and he's like too good for it. Crazy stuff. They're trying to take relegation away with this European Super League thing. It's appalling. They don't want punishment. They want every single week Manchester United, Madrid. They want these American, Chinese, Indian, whatever fans having it the way they want it. And they've done nothing to create this brand. They've done nothing to make it big. The people who have made it big are the hardworking nine to five who spent their weekly wage going to that stand and standing there for years on end in the 1970s and the 1980s. And they were standing there in the cold eating their pie. They're the people who made these what are now called brands. Embarrassingly enough, they made these franchises um, exist. And it will be spitting in all of our fucking faces if they take away our away days and that kind of local aspect to it. And every single week, sure, fans wouldn't have the money to go to the games and all. So the, it would just be like a corporate attendance. It would be like a corporate attendance and then maybe become like the odd family attendance. You know the way you see like those families in NFL with like a fucking thing of cheese on their head. It's like a, a dad, a wife and like two daughters who like travel all over the country to watch whatever the fucking Packers or the Eagles. It's pretty it's pretty grim stuff. Um they're trying to I now I don't think the game has it in it. I don't think it will happen. I I think they'll understand that the purity of the domestic game is vital. I don't think they'll actually take Manchester United out of the English League, uh, Liverpool out of the English League and leave Watford playing Burnley for more or less no fucking reason. Because when you take those teams out, what does the Premier League become? Just kind of like this Ming and SPLE thing. Like it, it would just be manky and it would nearly, but the reality is they'd still be having a better time than us. Um, even Burnley, Watford, and, and Villa would probably come back up eventually, and you'd have Newcastle and Tottenham, which I can't really imagine. They Tottenham would probably ring Celtic and Rangers, and like Sevilla get a call in Spain, and then they just develop their own European Super League. So it would just become a tiered system anyway, uh, because Tottenham wouldn't just stick around battering Cardiff every week and lifting the league. Like it just wouldn't happen. But they'd probably teams would probably form their own European Super Leagues off the back of it, and eventually just become a tiered system again. And then hopefully we could inject relegation all into it again. But uh, no, I am serious when I say if it does occur, and and, and these teams do form for a franchise esque league in which like 
Paris, I have to go in Madrid. Oh, Paris are 2-0. and They'd probably decide the games by penalties. This is the kind of shit they're capable of. These American billionaires trying to ruin our game, trying to make it more marketable. So it will get more views. That's the problem. The reason they're saying it will create more money is because it would. I've had people say, yeah, but eventually the loss of supporters will take away the value of the brand. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. The, the supporters is what is what made it big originally, but that's established. That's done. It's established. Um, it would be an unbelievably, unbelievably um, successful um, project in terms of the commercial, from a commercial aspect. It, it would work. They, every game would be watched. They'd make this big parade, song and dance about it. The viewing figures in America would be absolutely huge. Did you see Madrid Milan? See, Madrid are going for the championship. They'd probably make playoffs and all. In fact, I don't even want to talk about it anymore because it's that disgusting. But if it does occur, it's probably the only thing that could get me leaving. Um top class football as a fan I wouldn't even check results I couldn't I couldn't support the European Super League we're oh we, well, we need we need we need to uh, we need to go to Paris and get a win we're probably playing them in Dubai though we need to beat them in Dubai we need to we need to probably on a rooftop of a boat we need we need to win because or else we're not making playoffs like Paris are 8-1 we're like we're six and three, so if we get a win, then we get a win at Milan. We've a chance. That's the type of shit people are going to be talking about. Imagine what the jerseys and all become. Oh, well, that would be absolutely despicable. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I I read something there this morning. Um, in terms of just games and sports growing, and rugby's taking its time. I mean the money's the money's still not great. The best player in the world probably makes nine hundred grand a year salary, and that comes with like two or three concussions per annum, broken shoulders, like risks to his health and not being able to play with his kids when he's older. Now I'm all for players not making as much money because it's it's a marketing thing. I the, the worst thing in the world or it's a branding thing, it's 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 it can make sense. The game's just not that big. The worst thing in the world is when these people are going, footballers don't deserve the money. What? What? Why? What are you talking about? That's like saying if a Hollywood movie sells, the actor doesn't deserve the money. Of course, we live in an unjust world. If you're taking somebody's... If you're performing an operation on somebody to clear their body of cancer, um, you deserve more money than Cristiano Ronaldo of course you do but unfortunately there was a concept called communism that was ruined um, by people like Joseph Stalin who went mental now I'm not saying that's directly what it meant but it definitely led to the formation and serious serious pursuit of capitalism um, and there was then also things like fascism now they're not good they're not right but I'm saying that capitalism is the problem. Why 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds were dying on the beach in Normandy? Why so many families were torn apart? Ended. Was so that Cristiano Ronaldo could make more money than a heart surgeon. That's what capitalism is. Welcome to the world. It's the answer to so many problems. 
So due to the fact that the wars happened and due to the fact that um, the Allied forces were victorious, Cristiano Ronaldo does deserve more money. He does deserve that disgusting amount of money because he's so darn valuable. If you're watching a Champions League final and Heineken have paid 10 million alone and they're one of 100 companies worldwide who have bought their advertising uh, slot and then every bar that watches the game, every bar that's full with people watching it, every house, every TV package that's bought, every Domino's pizza that's ordered, every beer that's bought in an off-license, every taxi that's gotten to a bar, for, let alone the attendance of the actual game and hotels and stuff like that. It's just generating so much cash. Why is it generating so much cash? Because the likes of Ronaldo and Gareth Bale and stuff like that are playing. So if something they're doing is generating that much cash, why wouldn't they take it? Imagine creating a website where you publish content and it just got so many subscribers and likes and you were just getting so much money to advertise and you're saying, yeah, they didn't deserve it, all they do is write a few articles. Yeah, of course. But go back to the fucking 30s and 40s, which are a problem. Don't fucking come at me and, just, and drive your taxi. Look at the road when you're driving your fucking taxi. Sick of it. The point uh, I was making is I was, I was reading the newspaper earlier and um, there's this billionaire from Germany and he's talking about pumping money into German rugby. Uh, it amused me as I was eating my boiled eggs. It amused me greatly. He said around the 03 World Cup, the original figure he put in was 20 grand, which I did, I did start choking on the egg. What do you mean 20 grand? What, what, rooking bags? What does he mean, 20 grand? It's 03, by the way. Don't, don't start saying that was a lot back then. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. The world was in a better place financially nearly then than it is now. Uh, 20 grand was pathetic. 20 grand would have got you, like, the wheel of a BMW. <coughs> Couldn't believe it. 20,000. So no wonder Germany haven't qualified for anything. Um, they're buying second-hand rooking gear from Blackrock College. Anyway, he continued and he said that now the figure is more like 20 million. And I, yeah, that's not bad. And then my mind kind of drifted into a place. Imagine if the Germans get into Rugger. Now, I am sick of the whole imagine because we've been imagining certain countries getting into Rugger for years. Uh, we've talked about the US and what it would be. It won't happen. Every Tom, Dick and Harry down at Balls Bridge will tell you that the US will win two World Cups away. It's constantly two away. It won't happen. It will not occur. Oh, what about if all the failed American footballers? They don't want it. They'd rather just do blow and go into a life of crime than pick up the rugger ball and be told how to rock and, and, spit and have a ref speak. I'm like, no, go away. Go away. Yes, sir. No. They don't want to be spoken to like that. I, I hate the way those rugby refs go on those power trips. They overdo it. They overdo it. Disgraceful. It's like they get some weird pleasure out of it. I'd love to see what the day-to-day -day life of a rugby referee is. I'd love to see what they're just like at home with their family or in work. When they can't speak to people like that. It's a joke. I hate the way it's so lauded. I hate the way it's so loved. It's so over the top. But 
I did kind of imagine that it won't happen, as I said, because we always talk about it, but a rugby life with Germany in it, it would be extremely interesting. If I could pick one country to add to it, bar the States, it would probably be there. But um, it won't happen because like rugby is kind of a, a game that was... It's just if you weren't really under British rule at any point, you're just... You just it's just... It's so wrapped in the old-fashioned aristocratic class system that it's just impossible to enter into it. New Zealand, British rule. Um, Australia, British rule. South Africa, so white, so white that it just may as well have been. I know there's a huge Dutch aspect to it. I don't know the ins and outs, unfortunately, of the kind of political ownership of the history of South Africa, but you get what I'm saying. It, it, it's that kind of place um, and then you have not necessarily just British rule but you just kind of have to be linked some way shape or form to that kind of like rich land ownership culture and kind of mistreatment of the lower classes uh, we obviously the, the, the first time a rugby ball was kicked in Dublin was on, was on the fields of Trinity College hugely influenced from the Brits also. that's why I always find it so humorous when Limber people call it the home of rugby the home of rugby what do you mean the home of rugby Unfortunately, the home of rugby, from an Irish point of view, is College Park. That is where the first balls were kicked. That's where the first game was played. Those little Brits walking out of their Georgian houses with their little leather rugby balls and those little embarrassing scrum caps and a pair of long johns on and prancing around College Park. It's not, we are in the fire and we killed a boy and we gave it to them. Limerick's a guy, County. Okay. People might not like hearing that. It's a guy county. Um, even when we try to infiltrate Italy into it, like that, let's get the Italians into rugby. It's so embarrassing the way we count them as a new nation. There is no new nation. Tonga, Samoa, and Fiji have always stayed the same level of shit. They've always stayed the same level of shit. Italy are getting worse. Italy won their first game in Six Nations ever. They beat France. They've won like six since. I'm jesting, but around 13. They're embarrassing. They lose like 85% of Six Nations games. They are a disgrace. They offer nothing to the tournament. Absolutely nothing to the tournament. They should be out. They should be out. Georgia aren't improving. Namibia aren't improving. Romania aren't improving. So basically the game is based around South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, Argentina, who really are very hot and cold, but when they're good, they're good. Scotland, who may as well not play anymore. Wales. England, Ireland, France. No one else there. No one else there. So, no wonder to go back to a, to those taxi drivers who say, Peter O'Man, he walks around with a split open head and he makes half the money. Half the money! One twentieth the money of those footballers dying. Doesn't matter. Look at those stats I just read you. Look at, look at how many countries are active. Look at the viewership. It's embarrassing. In Australia alone, there's 86,000 registered rugby players. There's like 6,000 people going to their kind of Super 14 equivalent games now. Rugby league's much bigger. Aussie rules are much bigger. Cricket's much bigger. Soccer's bigger. Tennis is bigger. It's like the sixth or seventh sport in Australia. And we always viewed them as one of the rugby countries. Finalists. 15. Finalists. So three. Winners 99. Winners 91.
rugby's not growing really it's growing because TV is more accessible and stuff like we can get it on much but as a game globally it's not in terms of players and shit it, it, if it is it's happening very slowly and it's not worth really commenting on there's a new rugby club in the USA yeah they're taking the piss yeah they're putting in rugby league MLS version will it kick off let's see I don't know there's only really room for one kind of on-field sport that uses an over ball and uh they might have had a chance when all those NFL players were kneeling and stuff like that and proper kind of racist middle America was turning us back on them but they've been forgetting about college ball I'm even saying that's forgetting about the popularity of college ball um, but it's kind of like the way people come at you about God and how about God players deserve the money that one just grinds my gears to a different extent God players deserve to be paid if me and my mates start a five-a-side tournament in the back garden and ask y'all to come along, should we be paid? Yes, they train. Fair play to you. Yes, they give their license off. Fair play to you. It's like the AIL. So do the boys playing in that. If you're trying to tell me the gods are to be paid, in the 2016 and 2017 All-Ireland, Mayo got to the final. The first year, 16, they got to a replay, lost the second game by a point. 17, they lost by a point. So they're in three games, two points behind being champions of Ireland. Mayo's a population, I think, of 120,000. Half it in the middle, straight off the bat. Half. 60,000 left. That's women out. Take out everyone over 35. Take out everyone under 18. What are we roughly talking about there? Come on, guys, I've 60. I'm going to say we've 20,000 left. I think that's generous. I'm going to say 15,000 left. Age bracket 18 to 35. I'm going to say 15,000 people. Now taken to the... Unfortunately, taken into consideration the disabled. Taken into consideration people who have things like autism, Nashburgers, Down syndrome, who have physical uh, disabilities, who have like one leg bigger than the other and and arm issues and stuff like that and people who couldn't play then take into consideration people who got ill who couldn't play who had conditions unfortunately then take into consideration the people who have things like obesity and other people who have like family problems who kind of made going to training real difficult and just all the variety of things in life that happened you could be down to as low as around seven six thousand people take into consideration people who like uh, pursue other things or have other interests like uh, homosexuals who might not feel comfortable um, playing sport due to kind of having to hide who they are in the dressing room um, transgender people who might not necessarily feel comfortable um, kind of like playing or just not really knowing what team to play for and stuff like that um, I'm just really trying not to offend anyone with how I'm worried that because that's not my intention but if, unfortunately now they just be really careful um, just quite fair points both of them so if you do have a problem with it um, you just there's a you, you write it down on a piece of paper and you can send it to a www.jumpintothebath with a fucking toaster.com that's if you have a problem with the comment about me saying um, transgender people not really feeling comfortable playing or the gay thing when the way if you're trying to change the contextual words 
and trying to make it accusative or trying to make me seem uh, like some sort of bigot, even though I'm just saying the truth. So the fact that um, the machoistic um, atmosphere, especially in days gone by, of a male changing room can turn homosexuals away from playing the game as well as transgender people. If you're trying to change my words, the complaint should be sent to www.jumpintothebathwithafuckingtoaster.com <clears throat> Sorry, I went off on a tangent there. You're down to around 6,000 blokes eligible for the male men's team. If the second best team in the world, in the world, in any sport, has a selection pool of 6,000, that's been generous. We could go in deeper and deeper to narrow that down into the complexities of, of how many people are really eligible for selection from even giving a fuck. Lads who, who actually don't drink the points ahead of Sean up. Lads who kind of don't love riding and the gambling and not show up to, to training the next day and fuck it all away. You're down to around 1,500 committed blokes willing to play for Mayo, wanting to play for Mayo. If the selection pool is only 1,500... How on earth? Oh, that's of the second best team in the country. How on earth can we attempt to pay anyone who plays this game? If I wanted to make a five-a-side team and really, really try to win something, I'd have a selection pool of around a thousand blocks. I'd, I'd, I'd know or loosely know or be able to contact around a pool of a thousand people to play for that five-a-side team. Don't tell me gal players should be paid. Don't undermine yourself. Don't make a fool of yourself. I'm sorry. It's just the money's not in the game. It's not. They sell out Crow Park, yeah. Have you, have you watched Dublin Leash? Or sorry, have you watched Tyrone Leash or something like that in Crow Park? Ooh, in an August or July, it's not nice. Not nice. The people who were going to like Springsteen that night and all have already taken their seats. It's like half Springsteen fans. Uh, one quarter picture this fans or like who who were doing his opening or something and then the other quarter might be some guy fans. I hope you've enjoyed my um my my take on sports and thank you for listening. <laughs>